Hey, this is Andrea, and you're listening to the City Heart Podcast. We hope that this series inspires you, challenges you, and propels you to dive deeper into your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. But we're going to go ahead and jump into the Word, right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. The cool thing about this series as, as you're looking for, and I love hearing flipping Bibles. That excites me when I hear that. I'm like, yes, people still carry the Bibles. It's not just the phones. I love the phones, but man, just, just hearing that, all right, just hearing that sound is so good, right? Uh, John chapter 8, wow. Uh, the, the cool thing is uh, in this series, we've been actually kind of teaching on our core values. We really feel like there are some things that God gave us so many years ago that we've applied to our lives, and so we're sharing these things with you. They are literally the foundational principles, what we filter everything through in in our church, and we believe if you're going to go forward in this series, right, a lot of people felt like maybe you stopped. Things just came to a complete halt in 2020. Man, how do I pick things up and start walking again? How do I start moving forward again? We believe that doing the seven things that we're talking about, I'm talking about the fifth thing today. Excuse me, I'm on the sixth thing. Yeah, I'm talking about the sixth thing today. We're somewhere in there, right? Uh, the, The fifth thing that we're talking about is five. The fifth thing that we're talking about this week is one of those things that can really, really help you move forward, right? And so let's take a look at John chapter eight to help us kind of define where we're going today. John chapter eight, I'm going to read from the NIV starting in verse three, and it reads like this. It says, the teachers of the law, And the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Ooh, right. A woman caught in adultery. Y'all forgive me. That's kind of when I read the word, I hear things and see things, right? Uh, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. And they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say, Jesus? What do you say? They were using this question, the word tells us, as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down. I love this because I think Jesus has just a little bit of gangster in him. That's just my viewpoint on Jesus. So Jesus bent down as they questioned him. And look, and, and, and Jesus bent down. He straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who was without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Let any one of you who was without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And at at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, because they were wise, until only Jesus was left with the women still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Is there anybody left? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
If you got something, leave it there in John 8. We're going to come back to that. I want to check out one more passage of Scripture here as we jump into the Word, just to help frame it out today, and that's Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to look in verse number 9. Romans chapter 12. If you were there in John, hang a right about three, four uh, books, and you're going to run right into Romans. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation because I like how plainly it says what I'm about to say here. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 from the NLT reads like this. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Somebody need to hear that today. Keep on praying. Verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them out. Let me say that again. Don't curse them out. Right. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I'm going to add that because you don't, right? And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Ooh, Jesus. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. In this series forward today, I'm teaching a message called, Who Do You Think You Are? Who do you think you are? Bow your heads, let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Your word is life, your word is truth, your word is air that we need to breathe every day, that we need to consume in our bodies every day so that we might know you and grow further in our relationship with you. Father, I pray today as we delve into your word that you would help it to come alive in our lives, not only so that we can read it, not only so that we can see it, Lord, but so that we can live it, that we can live it every day with the passion that you see and that you have given to us in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be impacted today, that our ears would be wide open to hear everything that you have to say to us today. God, I pray that you would help me to decrease in this moment. God, that I may speak your word and not my opinion. God, help me let your Holy Spirit cover all of us and cover all of our hearts today as, as we take a look into your Holy Scripture. I thank you for everyone that's here today. I pray that you bless us all as we receive from you today. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. amen. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? There's somewhere along the line Somewhere along, along the line in life where 
as people and especially as believers, we have bought into this notion. And this notion is this. It's bought into the notion that we don't need people. We've bought into this notion that we can do in our lives without other people, that we can somehow live this life by ourselves, that we don't need to have anybody else in our lives, that we can do it all by ourselves, that we're all good by ourselves. And, and because, man, if, if I'm just worried about me and, 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 and because I'm just worried about myself and my people and my ideas and my beliefs and my career and my future, then it doesn't matter how I treat others. We've bought into that notion that, man, I can just focus on me and care about my feelings and how I feel and what I want to say and what I want to do that I can actually treat, because of that, everybody else any way I darn well please. That's how we think, that I'm free to say and do whatever I want. And this is, of course... Right? This, this, in some ways, for people can feel like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I want to say whatever I want to say whenever I, when I, whenever I want to say it at any time without thinking about how it may impact anybody else. That is a very, an extremely dark and honestly a sinful way of thinking. And it doesn't resemble the, the, the character and it doesn't reflect the character of Christ. If we're honest, I'm going to be real honest today with you. I'm just going to tell you right now, so forgive me now. I apologize in advance. As a country, we have gotten to the place, and we know it, especially in this season of election where we have catered to right this extremely dark way of thinking and this sinful way of thinking and this way of not caring about people's feelings. Can I get an amen right there? Thank you. But we have to know that it does not resemble, it does not reflect the character of Christ. But unfortunately, that is prevalent in our hearts, and it's prevalent in the minds of people today, especially in those of us who claim that we're believers, that we're followers of Christ. And we also see it in the systems, and we see it in the practices of of so many institutions, and we see it in leaders as well, that we have succumbed to this notion my wife and I right now, we're leading a city group. City groups are our way of making our church smaller and, and connecting in a more uh, organic and, and, and real way. And, and, and this semester, we're leading a, a city group um, where we're having some really open and honest conversations about race, about racism, and about faith. And we're reading a book by a man I, I, I love and honor. His name is uh, Dr. Miles McPherson. He's a pastor in, in San Diego, California, the church called The Rock Church. And we, he wrote this book called The Third Option. Brilliant, amazing book that we're exploring. Actually, it's us with another church in the area. So it's, we've never done this before. It's really cool. And we're having some, some real, if I can be honest, some emotional, oftentimes, conversations, but ones that have really helped us all. Every person, everybody on there, there's some black book in there, there's some white people in there, right? But it's helped us to really have some in-depth conversation about what ails all of us at this moment. 
And what helps us to, it helps us to really see, right, all that goes into that and all the subtopics that come. When you start talking about racism and race and faith, because, you know, there's all the subjects that apply to that as well. And we're trying to talk about them all in, in, in a way that blesses everyone and that doesn't leave anyone out. And then this conversation, what we've been trying to do is really to uncover the darkness and, and, and really bring into the light what lies in the heart of each of us. And it's, let me tell you, it's not easy conversations to have. It's sometimes very difficult conversations. Sometimes it gets a little tight. Sometimes it gets a little quiet. Why? Because we don't want to hurt each other's feelings and we don't want to step on toes. Hopefully all of us feel that way. But it meant, it, I, I found that these conversations are so important, and sometimes we, we want to kumbaya over things and not have the real conversations. We want to go into life just not really exploring or not really delving into what's really at the heart of the matter. But again, what we're trying to do is uncover the darkness the stuff that's in our lives so that we can move into the light and deal with what's impacting um, all of our daily lives. And so we, we, all right, we've, we, we're kind of doing that in this group. And in the same way, we've been asking you this question really all year. It's our, our theme of the year, right? We've asked this question, what would it look like if you lived your life in the light? What would it look like if you lived your life in the light? Not just about race, what about the things that are, that are dark in your life personally? The depression that you might be going through, the, the sin or the, the, the addictions and the, and the things in your life. What would it look like if, if a light shined down into that darkness and we were able to see and help you to bring all that stuff into the light? What would that look like? We've been talking about the fact that, that really doing that would be tough. It would not, you probably wouldn't feel really comfortable about it. But on the other side of bringing your life into the light, what you will experience is freedom. Being able to take the monkey and the weight off your back of those things and being able to, to not have to look over your shoulder or, or be so stuck in your subconscious about what's going on and, and you're thinking things but you're not saying them or you're, or you're feeling things but you're not really able to express yourself with the people around you can know what's going on. What would it look like if you were able to finally free yourself of those things and walk into the light? What would the church, not just this church, but the church, the big C church, what would it look like if we undercovered all, all of the darkness and really started to walk in the light? What would our country look like if we really started to uncover all the dark places and all the dark systems and all the, all the dark thoughts and ways and systems, all those things? What if it looked like if our country lived in the light. More than just asking the question in this, in this series, our goal has been to give you really some practical, actionable steps that you can take, right, to really start doing this, to start walking out this process. Because it's one thing to say, hey, I want to go from darkness into the light, but until you really start doing it, you don't realize how much work it actually takes. Yeah. 
And, and, and I want us to go on this journey. I'm not trying to scare you away from it. I'm actually saying, no, bring your entire life into the light so that you can do this one thing, so that you can go forward. If, 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 if you're honest with yourself, many of us find ourselves to today in a place that we are stuck. You feel like, man, life has just stopped. Whether it was quarantine or not being in school or college being weird this year, just totally weird, getting locked up in your dorm rooms, somebody got COVID down the hall, right? Or, or man, you're at home and your grocery bill is just stupid high this year because your kids are just eating up all the snacks every five minutes. Is that just me? <sighs> but you feel like life has just stopped. Things have changed. It's not, you're not going in the direction that you want to go. And, 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 and you, you just feel like this place that you're stuck. But what we're saying is, man, I want you to bring your life into the light so that you can start to go forward. Yeah. And this is what the Lord is telling us here as well. We read this scripture all in this series, 1 John 1, 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in God, there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet still walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live out the truth. But if we start to walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, key words here, we have fellowship with one another. If we leave the darkness, and start walking into the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, right? And the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. So what we get from this, we've been talking about this, what we get to experience and what we want you to get personally in moving forward into the light is two things that you see here. You see freedom, you're free from all the sin. You're free from all the burden. You're free from all the pain. You're free from all the stress. You're free from all the struggles that you're going through. Freedom is one thing that God wants you to have, and we focused on that earlier this year. And then this season, what the Lord is telling us, yes, the freedom. I want you to have that, but you know what else I want, what else I want you to have? is fellowship with one another. That's what he says is promise if we go from the darkness into the light is freedom and fellowship. What does that freedom look like? It's where your life is whole, holy, and healthy. It's whole where you're not missing anything. You don't feel like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm struggling in this area because I don't feel like I ever learned that or I don't have this or I don't have that. You feel whole where you have everything that you need. You feel, you feel holy where you're connected to God, you're separated to God, and you're living fully for him. That's what holiness means. And also that you're healthy, that there's nothing in your life, there's no habits or practices that you have that could drag you back into darkness. You're living a life that is whole, that is holy, and that is healthy. That's what that freedom is. But also we want the fellowship. And this is where you are able to interact with others in a way that is mutually beneficial. It's what fellowship is. You're interacting with other people in a way that benefits them, but it also benefits you. It is mutually beneficial instead of being mutually destructive, where you're trying to kill them and they're trying to kill you. That's not fellowship. 
But when we fellowship, right, Acts 2 said the early church, what did they do? They worshiped together. They ate together. They learned together. They, they were generous with one another. And everyone extended the favor of God to everyone else. That was their mindset. We know that this is what God desires for us. God desires freedom and fellowship for you. And so we're so determined to help you leave the darkness and go forward into the light that God has for you in your life. Not returning to the darkness, but what we want for you is that you develop such a love for the light. That, man, love is just, it's so enticing and you being able to live this freedom and this fellowship looks so good that you never even have a taste for the darkness again. I don't want it anymore. Man, this light feels too good. I can't go back to where I was. That's our desire for you. And in that light, what we believe is going to happen is that you're going to be able to start moving forward, that you'll be able to start producing, and you'll be able to start building, and you'll be able to start strengthening and mastering and executing the work that God has designed for you since before you were even born, that you would have freedom and fellowship, that you'd be moving forward. Can I let you know one thing today? Here's the thing about making progress or about going forward. You cannot go forward by yourself. You can't do it. I don't care how great or special or lovely or beautiful you are. You cannot go forward by yourself. You cannot go forward by yourself. God intended for us to do life together. That's how he created us. Right, He says in Genesis, man, man should not live alone. He shouldn't be by himself. That's why he gave us women, so they could tell us what to do. No, so that we could have people that, could, that we could be with somebody that could help us out in life. Women said amen, and God said, oh, no. <laughs> As I said earlier, though, right, we know that God desires for us to be together. Now, we can't do it by ourselves, We're not supposed to go forward by ourselves, but as I said earlier, somewhere along the line in life, we have bought into this notion that we don't need other people. We're kind of canceling out God's design for our life and what he actually sees as what will be productive for us and what will help us actually move in the direction that he has us going. And in that mindset, we're stuck and we've stopped progressing. If you're going to go forward, you have to go forward with other people. And if you're going to go forward with other people, there's some things you're going to have to learn about dealing with people. You're going to have to learn how to communicate with people. That means how to talk to folk, right? Let me say it in a way that Mississippi understands. You got to learn how to talk to folk. Y'all got to learn how to talk to folk. You got to learn. You have to learn how to communicate with people. You have to learn how to coexist. That means I exist, but I also give you space and room to exist as well. And actually, we exist together. Maybe we exist without agreeing. That I can have my opinions and my thoughts and and my ideas over here, and you're going to have some, and probably so, that are going to differ from mine, But you know what? We can live side by side 
and work side by side and drive and eat and, and still be able to connect and interact with one another without trying to kill each other. That we could actually coexist and that we could connect with one another. That we learn, I want you to learn how to have relationships, how to be a people person. If you're going to move forward, you're not going to do it by yourself. It's going to be with other people. And so really what I'm, I'm encouraging you to learn is how to fellowship. How do we do that? How to fellowship, how to interact with others in a way that is mutually beneficial. That even when I don't agree, I'm, I can still interact with people in a way that blesses them in a way that also blesses me. Even when we don't agree. Even when I don't agree with my spouse. Can I get an amen, fellas, in here? Right? Even when I don't agree with my spouse, right? That never happens. We always agree with you. Always. Whatever you say is right, right? Even when I don't agree with my spouse, that I can still learn to coexist and I can still communicate and that we can still connect. Help us, Jesus, that we can still connect in the name of Jesus, right? That we can still connect. Even with my kids, that even when they're acting crazy, right? that I still know how to communicate with them and coexist with them and connect with them, with my coworkers, that I can still communicate. Even my boss gets us on my nerve. I can still communicate with him or her, and I can connect with them and coexist with them in life. With your family that you're going to see in about a month or so in Thanksgiving, that you can still, whoo, that cousin that just, that uncle, that ooh, right? That you can still connect and interact in a way that is mutually beneficial you can still coexist and connect in a way that blesses you both. Well, what does that look like? Pastor, how is that even possible? There's two things you got to do. You got to love and honor. How do you get to the place where you can, man, I can mutually benefit the other person and I can feel mutually benefited and where we can go, where we can coexist and connect and communicate and fellowship? It requires love and honor. Love and honor. And we talked a lot about love in one of our previous core values, the fact that we're all heart, that we see people the way that God sees them and treat them that way. That's love, right? And we're all heart. We love people, but we also need to honor. Let's take a look at Romans 12. We read it earlier, right? How do we do this love and honor thing, right? You already read it. You didn't even know it. I already showed it to you. Don't just pretend to love others. What does it mean? That means be sincere. Be real. If you say that you love me, or if I say that I love you, that needs to be an honest and true statement. If you don't mean it, don't say it. But actually love. Love people. Don't just pretend to love them. The word says here, really love them. Right? Hate what is wrong. And hold tight to what is good. In life, you're going to come across people that they are going to do some things that you hate. There's nothing wrong with hating what is wrong. Just make sure it's wrong. Make sure you're not hating what's actually good. That's the stuff in their life that you're supposed to cling to, that you're supposed to connect with. Hold tight to what is good. It says here, verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. This is some real deal stuff right here. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight. 
What does take delight in honoring, honoring each other? What does that mean? That means that me providing mutual benefit to somebody else where it doesn't just benefit me, I'm actually excited to do that. I'm actually excited to bring the sugar to my neighbor's house when they run out. I'm actually excited to, to bless my coworker, and, or maybe they, they, man, they don't have gas money, or I see the person on the corner that doesn't have anything, and I'm saying, man, what can I do for them? Even when it doesn't actually benefit me, I'm still excited about honoring somebody else, that I value them in that way and see them, and I take delight in honoring somebody else. Verse 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Look, if you're going to do this, the first person that you're going to have to learn to love and honor is God. First person that you're going to have to love and honor is God. If you can love and honor God, you can love and honor anybody. And he teaches us how to love and honor one another. But we can't do that in a lazy way. You can't half step with God. Sorry, the song ain't no half stepping just came to my mind. I'm sorry. Right? You can't, you can't half step with God. You have to be, right? You, if you're going to be in relationship with God, there needs to be a full love. And you're loving him from a place and serving him from a place that you're doing it enthusiastically. Let's look at verse 12. Rejoice in our confident hope. That's Jesus. That's our confident hope is in knowing him. Look, with others, be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When you see trouble happening in somebody's life, be patient with them. Sometimes they don't know how to get out of their situation, but that's where you're supposed to come in to be a benefit and to interact with them in their lives. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Hey, can you, can, can, man, this person has some babies or this person lost their, man, their parents or their spouse or their loved one. Hey, would you mind bringing something by the house? Man, you know what? Actually, I would love to do that because I want to love and honor the way that God loves and honors. Here's a good one. Here's a tough one too. Bless those who persecute you. Let me read that again. Whew. Bless those who persecute you. Those people that talk behind your back or may even say things to your face, bless them. Now, don't don't bless them. Bless you, right? Don't don't bless them that way. (laughs) Actually bless them, right? Pray some blessings over their life. Man, I pray that God actually brings holiness and health and blessing to your life. That's what blessing actually means, that you would actually bless them. Don't curse them out. Let me say it again. Please, don't curse them out. Don't curse them. But actually bless them and pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's about compassion. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think that you're so big and you've got it so made that you know it so well that you can't be with people that don't think or act or, or believe like you. I love that last part. And don't think you know it all because you don't, right? Don't think you know it all. Look, never pay back evil with more evil. This is convicting me. Help me, Jesus. Never pay back evil with more evil. 
but do things, I love this line, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Not faking the funk, right? Not just putting on a show, but actually behaving and acting in a way where everyone can see that you are honorable. Online, Pastor, even on Facebook, yes, especially there. You should behave in such a way, you should act in such a way that no one can say about you, man, I can't follow them anymore because what they post is not honorable. That should never be said about us as believers. Yes, I'm going to stay on this topic for a minute about social because it's one of the things that the enemy uses to bring division amongst his people, amongst God's people. We have succumbed to the nastiness and the toxicity of being online, and it is eroding friendships and families and churches, and I'm not going to stand for it here. We're just not going to do that. We're going to honor here in this church, even online, especially online. You know why? My grandmother used to tell me when I was growing up, never do anything to damage your witness. Never do anything to damage your witness. You should never say or do anything that would cause someone else to see you and think that you don't know God. If you're a believer, everything that you say, everything that your hands do, every place that your feet go, every thought that you think should be honorable and done in a way that leads people to Christ and not away from him. That leads people to say about you, you know what, man, that person is honorable versus, man, that person has no honor whatsoever. I had the privilege of doing a graveside funeral service on Friday. And it was a man, he's his, the father of one of the members of our church. I didn't know this man from Adam. But this person in our church said, hey, would you please come and do my father's funeral? I actually did his mom's funeral in April. And so took the 45-minute ride out to, out to Vicksburg to, to go and, and, and do this graveside service. And so I got to read about, I heard about the man before when I did his wife's funeral, but I got to hear more about him and the fact that he was a pastor in Vicksburg for years, pastor churches, and that he also, coming out of high school, went straight to the military. And I, I remember I was praying on Friday, like, Lord, what, what am I going to say? What am I going to communicate Right, because I, I don't I I know what he who he is on paper, but I didn't really know him. And the Lord said, Well, what does my word say? And the the, the word says, I read it there at the funeral says, Man, a, 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 a man of God that, that preaches and teaches is actually worthy of double honor. Of double honor. And I was I was so blown away by that, and I said, Okay, Lord, that's what I'm supposed to talk about. And so I went there, and it was funny because I knew I was talking about honor this weekend, but I went there and I talked about honor. And the beautiful thing about it was this. I went, and I was the only African-American person there. Everybody else there was white. And when I went there, there was an honor guard. It was, it was a veteran's honor guard because he served in the military. They were there to, you know, they fold the, the flag and, and do all that stuff. It was amazing. And they did that when my, when my grandfather, who served in the military, when he passed, I've seen it done a number of times. And so I, I talked about honor of these people who were so different than me. Who, who live in a different area than I do, who probably had some assumptions about me just upon seeing me. But in that moment, right, just expressing not only about his military service, 
but about the man of God and what he had to do, which is, I know from personal experience what it's like to believe for people who don't like you and, and teach the people who don't really want to hear what you have to say. You are worthy of double honor. And so I got to talk about that. And one of the gentlemen came up after. A few of them did, actually. And we're just saying, hey, thank you so much. You didn't know it, but he was my Sunday school teacher. He was my pastor when I was, when he was an older gentleman. He was my pastor, and you, you have no idea how the profound words that you spoke over his life and what they meant. Now, we could walk into situations like that and just feel like, well, these people are going to feel this certain way about me, so I, may not, I don't even want to interact. You can, man, or, or you can be on the other side of it and think, man, that person has nothing to offer to what we're going through, so I shouldn't even just, you know, I shouldn't even talk to them. I shouldn't even deal with them. And it let me know that what we're lacking as a country, as the church, is, it's, it is faith, but it's not faith. But it's more honor. We've stopped honoring one another. We're lacking in our ability to relate to one another and just to give honor to people, even in our differences. In this book that we're reading, Pastor Miles and Fierce, and I talked about him earlier, he says, this, I love this quote, he says, honor is the glue that binds and keeps us together. Honor is the glue that binds and keeps us together. That's why as a church, we've made a decision to honor. We honor others. We're faithful to honor one another above ourselves, reflecting the love that Jesus shows to us. In our culture, we uphold honor for everyone, no matter what. No matter what. When I think about Jesus with this woman that was caught in the act of adultery. And he's got these men coming and they're accusing him saying, hey, Jesus, you know, the word says that we can go ahead and stone her because of what she did. I can think of Jesus as he knelt down to, to write and they're talking and they're asking him this question, trying to trap him, right? I love the part where it says that, that Jesus wrote something on the ground quietly. For me, because this is how I read the word and this is, man, I wanna ask Jesus one day, Jesus, what did you write? But for right now, I'm going to assume that he wrote in the ground to those men who were ready to speak something about somebody that they really didn't even know. They couldn't even give this person honor. I really felt like he wrote in the ground, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And that's the question I have for us today. In the way, in any way that we have dishonored other people or not shown honor to people that maybe we disagreed with and we're not in relationships, I feel like the Lord is writing on the tablet of our lives, who do you think you are? We're supposed to be the people of God. Romans 12, 3 says, for, for by the grace given me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. That means properly evaluate yourself. Take a look in the mirror in accordance with the faith that God distributed to each of you that you don't even deserve. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves much like these Pharisees who without right, giving this woman even the opportunity with, with, by, by just looking at themselves and not even seeing themselves, they're ready to stone somebody else. 
They're ready to judge, ready to dishonor, and ready to ignore. Maybe it was her skin color, maybe somebody's politics, or maybe somebody's lifestyle, maybe it's the economic status, but we have put ourselves in a position that we, we, we are thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. And Jesus says here, who can condemn you? If, if Jesus isn't condemning them, that means it's not our job to do it either. And I love that he says, look, go and sin no more. Jesus, I'm not saying that allow people to sin and don't encourage them to leave that life. I'm saying, no, live in such a way that people can see the light in you. And they're saying, you know what? I don't want to have anything to do with darkness anymore. Anything that I might be doing that's wrong. Actually, because I saw you live in such an honorable way, even when we disagree, because you lived in such an honorable way, you know what? I want to go and sin no more. And Jesus says here, I love it. Verse 12, he spoke against me. He said, look, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I love that he says that because I love that we're supposed to not only have the light of light, the light of life, but that we're supposed to give the light of life. We're supposed to give honor. When we give honor, we build honor for ourselves. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Matthew 7, 12 says, so in everything you do, do to others, do what you would have them do to you. That's the golden rule. Here's what honor requires from us. I'm over time. Honor requires sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice your ego. You're going to have to sacrifice your attitude and your pride and your grudges and your hurt and your privilege. You're not always going to agree. Often we won't agree at all, but God's not asking you to kowtow. He's not, he's asking you to honor. God's not asking you to muzzle your true self. He's asking you to honor others above yourself, to be thinking about them. And so again, the question I have for you is, who do you think you are? If you think that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you think that you have been saved by his grace, if you think that you have been free from sin and have been sanctified and given the opportunity to fellowship, then my encouragement today is to be like Jesus and honor. Honor. If you want to go forward in life and you think you're going to have some success moving forward, you have to honor. You're going to have to communicate and connect and coexist with some other people. And I feel like that's such a message for us leading into this election and coming out the other side, especially of this election, that we're going to have to learn how to do this, that we're going to have to live in honor, and it's not going to be easy. As we go, let me give you these four things, and I promise you I'm done. Here's how you can honor, four ways, real quick. You can honor with your will. It's how you choose to think about others. Really love people, the word says. Hold on to what's good. Be patient. Be happy. Don't be too proud. Second thing, you can honor with your words. What you say to others and how you say it. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them, but instead pray for them that God will bless them. Here's number three, honor them with your wealth. What is that? 
what you do with what you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, honor people with that. The word says when God's people are in need, right, we help them and be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The last way, number four, how do we honor? We honor, you will honor with your ways. What you do to, with, and for other people. Where it says, do such things in a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. If there's any point I want you to walk away with from today, it's that honor provides the strongest basis for how we view ourselves and how we would interact with others to go forward. When I think about myself, so funny, they were singing all about Jesus today. And I got overcome because I started to think about how Jesus honored me. Somebody that didn't deserve any honor from him. Somebody that sinned and somebody that, man, didn't want to be connected to church and didn't want to be connected to God. Who thought I knew. And still, Jesus came down and lived on this earth that I might be free. He took on my sin he took on the burdens that I, the, the, the horrible things that I have done and still choose to do, and he still chose to go to the cross to honor me. And he still chose to go to the cross to honor each and every one of us. And that's what I'm saying to us today. Man, we got to honor others. We have to. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want to hear more about this series or learn more about our church, check us out at cityheartjackson.com or follow us online at cityheartjxn.